0: Hi, this is Greg Boyce and inviting you to listen to our latest Inside Personal Growth podcast episode number 900 with author Alex Weber about his new book entitled Fail Proof Become the Unstoppable You. This podcast number 900 is brought to you by Liz Dickinson, CEO and Shannon Sheehan, uh, COO of Relish Life. Relish Life is a revolutionary program that takes a 360-degree approach to weight release by tackling the root causes of unhealthy eating habits. They encourage people to not just treat the symptoms, but to solve the root cause of your struggle with weight and food. In this interview, we talk about weight release, lifestyle interventions, medication, and therapies. If you want to learn more about Liz and Shannon and their Relish Life programs, please visit their website at www.relish.life. That's www.relish.life. And now for a featured podcast, please listen to my interview with author Alex Weber about his new book entitled, Fail Proof, Become the Unstoppable You. Happy listening. Hey, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and host of Inside Personal Growth. And you're joining me from where today, Alex? That blue room. You're in the blue room.
1: Yeah, I'm in the blue room, man. <laughs> so we are in uh, just outside of Boulder, Colorado.
0: All right. So he's in Boulder, Colorado. He said outside. He's going to be in Boulder soon. And I'll yep. introduce him to a mountain climber. We have Alex Weber on, and Alex wrote a book called Fail Proof Become the Unstoppable You. A lot of great wisdom in this book. We were just talking about the guy who summited Neural, uh, all 14 of the highest peaks in the world in six months and six days. And for this is a plug for that. For anyone who hasn't seen Project Possible, go look for the trailer as well. This book is a great accompany uh, to that. Because we have Alex on talking about how to be unstoppable. Alex, I'm going to let our listeners know about you. Um, He's an international keynote speaker, award-winning entertainer for NBC, uh, and competitor on the Emmy-nominated series, American Ninja Warrior. So obviously, that climbing the mountain for all those ninja warriors is a good deal. Alex has uh, positively impacted millions worldwide to achieve breakthrough success Alec Pradley wears the badge of failing expert. And, you know, you learn from your failures. Um, And I like to call them learning lessons. You know, that's my own little way to reframe it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen Kotler has been on here about six times, the guy who studies all the crazy athletes. And, you know, it's how you reframe this stuff. And I'm sure you're going to talk to my listeners about that. He's a global thought leader. Uh, a U.S. lacrosse coach of the year who lectured at Stanford Business. Uh, He set world record and won won awards for hosting for NBC. But Alex also understands what it feels like to hit setbacks, self-doubt, pressures, uncertainty in the course of failures, and how you can overcome those failures. Uh, He's courageous. He's positive. He's outgoing. He's a good guy. Uh, You can learn more about Alex by just going to his website. And the website, I have it up here, is I-M-A-L-E-X-W-B-E-R.com. Uh, that's where you can learn more about Alex Weber and the book. And you can actually go there and watch and do a keynote. Uh, can they download some excerpts of the book from there too, Alex?
1: Uh, you know, I, had, I posted some things on social media, kind of me reading uh, passages and things like that.
0: Okay. Well, if yeah. you want go to that website to learn more, we'll put a link to Amazon so that you can get the Thank book. Um, so, look, Alex, in the book, you tell lots of encouraging stories about yourself. Uh, you obviously have a great background, the Ninja Warrior stuff, the NBC stuff. Um, and to set the stage for this interview and give the listeners a little context for the book, Tell the listeners a bit about yourself and what are the reasons behind helping people become unstoppable and fail-proof? It isn't the easiest thing in the world to do. You know, there aren't a lot of people like that mountain claver who just have unstoppable determination. Um, And it's usually around fears. The fear of becoming too big of a success or the fear of failure.
1: Yeah, well, that's... I mean, you hit on something uh, very big there with the the fear of success and the fear of failure, and uh, you know we'll touch on it all. And, and and just to kind of hop into what your your first question is is of why that I wanted to do this, and it was in that introduction. You know, I just really know the experience from both sides. I have not had all successes, boom, 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 one after another, and even within those, there's been hard moments that lead to the quote unquote, put it on a resume or a book flap, the things that we all want, you know, put it on LinkedIn. But to get to those nice results that we want, you got to go through some tough times. And I just know what that feels like very much, whether that's out in the world, or there can be some really tough times when the world gets quiet and it's just you and you alone and uh, the internal voice. So that's what really fires me up is, you know, I've, I've been someone who struggled with confidence. I struggled with believing in myself. I struggled with my own fears. And I did, even while speaking in front of tens of thousands of people live, competing on American Ninja War, you're doing all these things. So that's really what fires me up is is giving people tools so that they can do it too.
0: When were you on uh, American Ninja Warrior? Because I used to watch it incessantly. And I think I remember you, to be honest with you. You were on more than once, weren't you?
1: Yeah. So You were the guy that was
0: on two or three times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I hosted with the series for two years. I was hired by NBC to be a host. Okay. Hosted for two years, fell in love. I'm a two-time competitor, uh, was set to be three-time competitor, and broke my hand right about when the competition was. So... Talk about getting knocked on your booty! Uh, yeah, I felt that too. Uh, so it's a, it's an incredible world. It's been in my life now for five years, which is uh, it's it's a solid chapter.
0: Well, you know, you look at the guys that actually compete to get on that show, and women. Uh, I don't want to leave them out because there were some strong ass women that competed oh, on American Ninja Warrior. I mean, exactly. just crazy. Um, Jeffy Graf, is it? What was yeah. the one? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, and. I'm thinking to myself, man, and there were women up on K2 that this guy ran into that helped them summit. They had gotten afraid. They came back to base camp and they're all said, hey, no, 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 no. You can't let your fears get you. I'm going to take you up because they were just like literally, and he did. I um, mean, when you see this thing, you see this guy was no one left behind. No one left behind. Um but but that comes to this chapter entitled, Welcome Your fail Proof Life. You mentioned that failing is discouraging and frustrating. It's embarrassing. You see people fail on Ninja Warrior. They fall in the water. They fall off the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of maybe where they set their hand. And it's yeah, really 100%. the million-dollar adjustment, isn't it? It's like a yeah. baseball player. With, yeah. You know, how much are we going to adjust to hit the ball out of the park? Yeah. And you mentioned that we call this, you're an expert failure um, and, and failure. And yet, yeah, you yeah, take yeah. it as a huge compliment. Why do you consider failure as a compliment? And how do you usually respond to failure? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you said something really important there. So, fail, we all fail. We all fail, whether we realize it or not. You miss a deal, that's a fail. But also, you get in an argument with someone you love, that's a fail. Most people don't have the awareness to recognize it. And so it just kind of gets chalked up into life when there's really a beautiful opportunity to do something about it there. So fail is what we all have. And fail would be on American Ninja Warrior. And that's happened to me this year. I put my hand in the wrong place. Boom, splash, fail. Okay. Failure, in my opinion, is when that fail makes us stop. If we stop, If we disengage with going after the goal that we want, whether that's loud, I quit, or quietly, and we just kind of like back away from it, disengage, that is a failure. But if we take it in stride and continue to go after our goal and use it, then a fail becomes failing. And failing is forward. Failing is progress, embracing, and learning.
0: Yeah. So how do you help people get rid of that cognitive dissonance? Mm. You know, between you know, there's a couple ways to look at reaching a goal. It's the outcome mm. that I expect, but then the outcome I achieve, and it's not mm. always the same one. Nope. It's not always, you know, like hey, I'm going for the gold, but instead I got bronze. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And you went, oh man, I'm a failure because I didn't get the goal. But gold, gold, that's what I'm going for. In and, and a lot of my listeners know me. Um, in my world, you know, I'm, I practice self-realization fellowship, which is probably closer to Buddhism, than anything. And, you know, the Buddhists will say, don't get attached, mm. you know, cause when you're attached to the outcome, you're setting yourself up yeah. for disappointment. So how would you address with people that are out there and they're just so driven like crazy if they don't actually achieve it, you know, because in this, in this case, with the mountain climbing and 14, uh, uh peaks, Uh, over the course of six months and six days, the Chinese closed the last mountain for the guy. So initially he had to go on social media and get a million people to tell the Chinese government to open up the mountain so he could do it. But he had the strong determination to actually get on social media, start a campaign, get the government to change their mind. And they finally gave him a pass to go up the mountain. And wow. that's what you call unstoppable. <laughs> I mean, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it.
1: I mean, I, you know, that is another thing of, uh, and what I do really like this word unstoppable is because it doesn't mean that you're not going to get knocked on your booty. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fall short. It doesn't mean that challenges aren't going to come, whether we expected them or not, like they close a mountain. Uh, but <laughs> unstoppable, relentless to me means it doesn't matter it does not matter what you throw, I'm going to keep coming. Mm -hmm. And if we can tap into that energy, it's tough to deny that person. If that person is just keeps coming and a big piece of the book too is you are learning as you go. So it's not just, we're not stubborn and we're just beating our heads against the wall. Each time we're learning and we're incrementally getting better, our graph, our chart is going to keep trending up to the point that you'll get there. You will get there. Uh, but most people, you said cognitive dissonance. I think that emotions, and I come from top level athletics. I I grew up with someone, uh, my dad, who I loved to pieces, but wasn't really in control with his emotions. Those, in my opinion, of elite performers, whether that's in business or sports, emotions get disregarded as like an afterthought. Yeah, we don't have time for that. Just lock it up and do it. And mm-hmm. that'll get you a certain way, of course, tough it up and do it, of course. Yeah. But Unless we learn how to handle this incredible variable that we have and actually learn how to use it, because it's there, we can't block it out, how to use it. That is what ultimately, in my opinion, determines it when people stop or are unstoppable.
0: Well, you know, it, you, get, you bring up a great example. Your dad was athlete, you were, and then you look at Phelps and he yeah. comes on now and does ads for depression. Mm-hmm. a drug Mm -hmm. that you know actually he's doing counseling but Mm -hmm. you know he said he became extremely depressed even though he'd won all these gold medals right and the reality is is that he admits he was trained to just kind of keep going and stuff it right yeah and all that caught up with him right so any advice for people on not to get caught in that loop
1: well i i i think that um I think that it comes down to who do you want to be uh-huh. and if who you want to be aligns with the actions that are going on in the world and your actions, then I think you're in a good place. But I have felt that too, especially over the last year and a half with a lot of things going on in the world, that if that if who I felt like I need to be didn't align with my actions, that is where, for me, I fell into some depressing or darker times. So I really think it comes with, first and foremost, what I call in the book, brave honesty. And, and bravery can take a lot of different forms. It's not always big, you're tough. Sometimes it's just looking at ourselves and our lives and just saying, I'd like for this to be better. Or I thought this would be here by now, and it's not. And usually, again, we put a box around that and we push it away. But if we can actually go into that, then we can do something about it. Um, and the last piece that I'll say is to accomplish anything meaningful, there's only X amount, of, there's only 24 hours in the day. We only have as much energy focus. We are not limitless in terms of our resources that we can use. So what that means is there will be a stretch of time to accomplish something, whether that's an American Ninja Warrior or Olympics or launching your new, your, your business's new campaign where things are gonna have to be sacrificed. What I imagine though is maybe that period for Phelps of sacrifice didn't have a 6 months or a 1 year timeline it might have had a decade or two decades timeline It
0: did a very long time
1: yeah, yeah. And yeah. and that is not sustainable
0: No it's not it's there's no balance there You know and I think yeah. we can talk about you know people talk about life work life balance right But when you see athletes that wake up at four o'clock in the morning, go swim the pool until 10, and then they have time to go to school or to whatever they do, and then they come back and they do it again in the afternoon, you got to think to yourself, hey, there's got to be something a little more fun that I could do other than just swim laps in the pool, right? Sure, sure. Uh, So and continue to improve my times. And in chapter two, (laughs) entitled How to Become Fail-Proof, you tell an interesting story about the fail-proof system. That's what you Mm. call this. Yeah. Um, I, I I'd say this is kind of a, this is the big part of your book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell the audiences a little bit about the fail proof system and how it transformed your life.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, you bring up such a good point about, you know, the person in the gym uh, or, or swimming and, uh, you know, and I'll also say that I've done a lot of different sports swimming, just to go off this little tangent, swimming, gymnastics, uh, let's see what else figure skating. There's a few of these sports that are particularly wrestling, particularly more demanding in ways than other sports. You know, figure skaters and swimmers, they're like in the pool and in the rink at like 5 a.m. You know, lacrosse, football, basketball, baseball, we got long practice. We're going tough, but it's usually after school. So I always felt like those sports were, there was an extra degree of demand and sacrifice that can be rough. Let's just call it like it is. That can be rough.
0: So well, I know I was did. a CIF champion in wrestling. So the oh, wrestling, wow. so you know what happened is I wouldn't call myself a champion. I was like a kid in high school. So uh, I wrestled I wrestled at 156, which I haven't seen 156 in a long time. But <laughs> but but my point was is the demand of that particular sport, like any singular sport, tennis. You, you name it, there's a lot of them, right? Where it's just you, you yep. and the other person on the mat, right? Gymnastics, you against the vault, you against something to perfect it. And I will say there's something quite unique, even surfing. It's you, right? Uh, skiing, a downhill skier, mm-hmm. it's you. It's not a team sport. But it does require more, I would say, more dedication.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It does. And, and you know, wrestling is one where you have that added layer of you gotta cut weight. That's just yeah. a that's just a rough experience. Gymnastics, <laughs> call it like it is, gymnastics, it's a beautiful sport, but it's rough on the body. Yeah. You yeah, ask any gymnast, it's rough on the body. So there's just you know, there's there's that's just part of it. Um but,
0: but Simone Biles fell into yeah. the same thing this year, yeah. uh with not competing and getting depressed. And of course we had a COVID year. I know there's a lot of shit that was going on. Her family wasn't there, but she really just said, I can't compete. She stopped. She just, she literally for the what last week of the event, right. She just cut out. So, you know, you look at that and there's gotta be enough pressure. I know under pressure, what happens is a diamond is formed or an oyster is formed, Mm. but at some point, when the pressure is just too much mentally, I think people crack.
1: I think that that can definitely happen. And I think that that goes back to that sustainability. You know, this wasn't uh, Simone Biles' first time, right? So it's not like the moment was too big for her. I, I have no idea. And so I'm kind of just speculating. right? But I imagine... There was just I, I imagine her perspective change where it was, you know what, to compete here is not where I feel like my heart is and and, and not where I feel like my desire and want and who I want to be and what I want to do. Um and uh you know, she's already got like she's got the gold. So it's uh that's one where I you know, I think it's there's a lot of different angles on it, but it's one where I, I think To accomplish something very hard, you have to have a very strong drive. And I have felt this and know a lot of athletes where, for better or worse, that drive came to us at an early age where we need to prove something. We need to prove that we're enough. We are chasing something. So in terms of like mental health and emotional well-being, that's not how you want to go through life. Right. From a standpoint of drive, it's incredibly powerful. Where we are, I believe, in sports and peak performance and business and all of this is how do we marry this sense of wanting something so badly you will do absolutely anything to make it happen, while also knowing in your core that if it doesn't, you are still worthy, you're still enough, you you can still live, uh, and, and that is a, a tightrope. It's a
0: tightrope. Well, you know... Uh, uh... I remember Stephen Kotler saying, and I've said this before, my listeners might think I'm a broken record, but there's nobody that's studied performance athletes more than that guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, focus is for free. Curiosity is really important. After curiosity, you have to have a purpose. After Mm -hmm. you define your purpose, you can define your goals. After you define your goals, you got to have the grit and determination to work through the goals. Now, when you look Mm -hmm. at that little five-step model and you say, focus is for free. Okay. Focus is, but a lot of people can't even get the focus done to say that I'm going to do this singular thing and want to compete in lacrosse or swim or whatever. They're like, they're all over the place. Right. And then it's like that. It's like focus and then a purpose. So what you said about three minutes ago was, is it in alignment with me? Yes. And I think a lot of people, they do something because their dad or their mom wanted them to do sure. it or whatever. And it isn't really in alignment with them yet. You know, who knows it m- maybe Phelps got pressure from parents. I don't know. It's not important. What's important is if it isn't for you, this is where self-love and compassion come in. You got to have self-love and compassion to make it through that spot. Uh, yeah. Right. You got to love yourself.
1: Yeah. You, you, you do. And, 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 so I, two two thoughts come to mind. You know, for me, uh, purpose has been the number one in my flowchart of because I've realized that if I have the purpose and it's really beating in me, I'm able to summon the focus, the energy, the effort, the grit. Um, but to decide that purpose is where I you know, and I use a word in the book, explore, and that's very aligned with what you were saying of curiosity is we got to do things. We got to talk to people. We got to try things. We got to fail at things. We got to just get a splashboard of different pieces and evidence. And then what I believe is then when you get this, then you can put together the puzzle piece of, okay, this is where, this is the pieces that feel right to me. Now, how does it show up in the world? You know, I, I look at all my chapters of life of what I was really drawn to, you know, I was a captain of the sports team in high school. I used to love giving pump up talks to them. And then college, I didn't really, because I wasn't named a captain. It was something that I really wanted, and I couldn't make sense of why I wasn't given it. And I had a lot of ups and downs in college lacrosse, but that did lead me to when I coached high school lacrosse, I could use those lessons of the down moments, and that's where I won U.S. lacrosse coach of the year. And a lot of it was, okay, I like speaking in front of these athletes. I like working with them. And that led to TV hosting, which led to stand-up comedy, which led to being an international speaker. So some of this, you know, Steve Jobs has a great quote of, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only do it looking backwards. Um, And and what that means to me is you got to just, whatever's firing you up, don't worry too much about how it all works out. Just focus on the input, give everything you have to it and that will then be a puzzle piece that you can use to put together the puzzle of what you want to do in the world.
0: Yeah, and I think I think also for athletes. We've been focusing on athletes, but there's other mm-hmm. places to apply this. Uh, there's yeah, teams inside of companies. It's yes. really you know, life isn't an individual game. No man is an island. We're not out there by ourselves. We have coaches, we have parents, we have friends, we have girlfriends, we have wives, we have whatever Those people play such a critical role in our mental health and in our ability to, you know, go to the next uh, level. And Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. What are the six steps to unlock your goals, leadership that you have? Because you know, you give people six steps in this book. Um, These are the fundamentals. So let's let's do it. I know what those fundamentals (laughs) are.
1: (laughs) Let's do it, Greg. You nailed it. You know, teams are everywhere. Teams are in sports, teams are in companies, teams, a family's a team, a relationship's a team, a friendship's a team, you and you, you, your own life is a team. So, you know, I, I think we're geeking out on sports because they're fun and also they make things very clear. One of the reasons I love sports, there's no wiggle room, you know, there's, there's the scoreboard at the end of the day. So it makes things very clear. Uh, but these six steps, they apply to everything and it's, you know, leadership is a, is a big piece of what I speak on. And I view, if we want to authentically be leaders for others, we have to start with self-leadership. So the first step of these six steps is setting goals that actually matter. Uh, so to do that, I mean, so much of life doesn't matter, especially now it's so noisy and busy and hectic to be a human being. So it's taking that time to look at your life, explore it, and just ask, what do I want? what do I want to be here? Who do I want to be? What do I want to look like? Is there a side of myself that, you know, maybe I'd like to embrace my creativity or I'd like to step up and be a leader. What is it? So that's first you know, and foremost.
0: Alex, there's a lot of people out there that would say, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. But, mm. and here's the, but you said the I'm noise, sorry. you said the noise. I love yeah. it. Cause there is a lot of noise to get distracted, mm-hmm. but it's a fog too. Yeah. hundred percent. And they'll say, you know, I got a brain fog. I know he wants me to go do this explore. I don't even know where the shit to start. Got it. You know, so, so would, you know, for those people that are kind of lost in the, the fog, they can't see. Mm -hmm. um, And there's a frequently, there's a reason for that, but they can't get out of that funk. Would you have any like suggestion for getting out of the fog besides turning on the lights?
1: Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, the first is ownership of no one is going to push you out of the fog. So if you would like to stay in the fog, you absolutely can. Yeah. But if you'd like for certain things in your life to be better, then let's go and let's okay. do it. So first is simply the ownership of that choice. And then in terms of like brass tacks, I would encourage people, I call them three arenas to look at your work, your career, who are you, what's going on? Is there anything there that you'd like to be better? Then look at your relationships, look at your friendships, your family, romantic. Is there anything there that you'd like to be better? Okay. And look at your own personal life. You, one of one, living your heartbeats on this planet. What do you want this to be? Is there anything there that you'd like to be better? And then I imagine. Unless you're just over the top perfect, batting 10 out of 10, you don't miss. If you scan through all three of those arenas, I imagine you're going to find one thing that you're like, I'd like for this to be better. Now, then we can get on to step two, which is really how you get out of the thought. It starts with you deciding you want to. Step two though, is make it real, which I think is very important because all these ideas are, they're just ideas, right? They're just thoughts and they're going to get swept out Right when you, you might have an idea in your head of something that you want in your relationships, let's say, and you're listening to me and Greg and it's sounding good, but then this podcast is going to end. You're going to look at your phone. You got 13 notifications. You got a bill. You got an email that's new and that idea is going to pop out. So my, what I encourage you to do is right when you end, right when you hop off this podcast, how can you make it real in your life today, right now? You're not going to lose 30 pounds today. You're not going to close 10 more deals. You're not going to have the most romantic, fulfilling relationship tonight. But what could you do today to start it so that it's starting to be in reality? Could you walk around the block for 15 minutes? Could you lay out some framework that might lead you to 10x sales? Could you do something thoughtful for your significant other? What is something, just a small step, so that it's not in idea ethereal land and it's in your life?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That one, if we want to talk about getting out of the fog, that is huge because now it's real.
0: So that's two. What's three?
1: three. Now now that we did the small step of doing it, step three is dive in, meaning now what's the biggest step that you can do. So I'll share my personal example, which was American Ninja Warrior. First, I had to decide, okay, I want to get good at this, Mm -hmm. which for me was to keep my job hosting for NBC. Part of my job is trying the obstacles. And in season two, season one, I was asked to fail comedically, crushed it, failed my face off. Season two, I was asked to start getting good at this and it was impossible for me. So with my dream job on the line, I had to become good at this impossible feat. So step one was deciding, Alex, do you really want to do this? And once I did, step two was reaching out. I called one of the American Ninja Warriors and I said, hey, can I come train with you?
0: The guy in Texas? Well,
1: they're all over. This this
0: guy was in LA, but they're all over. Okay. Okay. There's a guy in Texas that I thought was amazing. Anyway, okay. So you, so you called him and you went in and got trained by him.
1: Well, step two, step two is make it real. Step two was call them and text them, and they were like, Yeah, okay, sure, you can come train with us. Step three was actually driving the hour, training from 9 p.m. till midnight in the American Ninja Warrior gyms, which are so bonkers out of this world to walk into, uncomfortable, and to just do whatever they were doing. So they got up and did pull-ups and flip over and swing onto this, I would go and barely do one pull-up, and but it didn't matter because yes, it was humbling. Yes, it was embarrassing. I had to deal with judgments. It was frustrating. But in doing this, we talked about this fog, there was no more fog. I'm like, that is one of the best American Ninja Warriors in the world. And this is what he's doing. That is what she's doing. And I'm with them. So even though I can only do one tenth of what they're doing, I'm in it. And if I keep showing up soon, it'll be two tenths. Soon it'll be three tenths if I keep going. And that's so important. I learned the same lesson in stand-up comedy. That was a dream of mine that I always had. And I was like, no, you know, it's it's too intense. It's too scary. Until finally, I was like, I have to do this. I know that I want to do this. And I would just show up to comedy clubs. I would just show up to shows, meet comedians, go to open mics. It was uncomfortable, embarrassing, but it led eventually to being a stand-up comedian performing all over the world. So. There is no secret formula. It really but see, comes you,
0: down. You, I know. I, I just say you were closing the gap on yeah. that cognitive dissonance. Because mm-hmm. when it's so far away, yet it gets closer a tenth at a time, 10%, 10%, 10%, mm-hmm. 10%, 10%. Ultimately, you are the American boy Ninja Warrior, right? Mm-hmm. Train, beyond on the show, yep. do your yep. thing. And I think that's really important. And you call this you call the fail-proof fundamentals and you state that all you need to do right now is choose to believe that all of this is possible for you because it is, yeah. because yeah. it is. Okay. Yeah. You know um, that's encouraging. How would you advise the listeners to become more aware of that? The impossibilities can become possibilities. Yeah. You know, because there, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, um, are we watering the weeds in the garden or are we pulling the weeds and watering the flowers in our garden? Mm.
1: You
0: know, because a lot of people, the weeds to me are the impossibilities. The flowers are the possibilities. Yeah.
1: And and what you said also, you know, and I I use that language intentionally choose to believe Uh, that choice will always be yours. And this is something when I speak to companies and, athletes or universities, I I, I always tell them that. It does not matter what the world is doing. It does not matter what your colleague's doing. It does not matter what anything else is happening. You will always have the choice to believe in yourself and keep going or not. No one can ever touch that choice. And it's so powerful because if we do choose to believe in ourselves and keep going, now, when I say anything is possible, sometimes it feels eye roll like Hallmark and people are like, "Yeah, okay, cool." So, if I want to be in the NBA, I can be in the NBA, and that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is, if for some reason, you know, and I don't want to go on a hyper example of sports again, but if for some reason you're like, "I want to become the best basketball player I can be," well, then you will. Maybe it's you dunking at the rec gym. You build up to that. You're not going to be in the NBA. But anything is possible also if we're open for how it looks in our lives. For instance, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I'll use that example again. Part of the journey with some of my skill sets was I ended up being a partner, one of the founding partners in a company called Don't Tell Comedy, where we put on secret comedy shows. It started in LA. People liked it so we did it in San Francisco fast forward we're in 40 cities we've gone to London and done shows so part of how I got to be a stand-up comedian performing all over the world was I had to found a comedy company that wasn't how I drew it out on the whiteboard but it right. did get me to the goal yeah. so I think that's really important is is to be open on on the how
0: it, it is and you know you had a uh, you, you called them poach coach Paul. Yeah, and my sense is, is that you the way you spoke. Tell us what poach coach. Sorry, tell him what yeah. Coach Paul did for you.
1: Oh, it's a special, and I'm going to shoot him a text after this. Uh, so yeah, Coach Paul Carcaterra Yeah, because
0: he didn't just quite kick your butt. Oh no, I mean he definitely <laughs> did. But uh, I know he did. No. But
1: <laughs> I, I I grew up with. Uh, I just had no confidence. You know, I think back to those years in middle school and I just hated those. I hate them. I used to eat lunch alone in the math room because I was getting bullied and punched around by, I hated those years. And lacrosse was just something that I did and I was athletic. So I had potential in it, but Paul Carchaterra came down. He was the leader. He was the coach of the high school varsity, came down to a middle school practice. And at the end of it, he pulled me aside and he just said, I think you could be really good at this. If you go after this, I think this could be something really special in your life. Mm -hmm. And why I tell people that is because (laughs) it was a 17 second conversation. He could have not done it, right? Something could have happened and he couldn't have pulled me aside. That 17 second conversation absolutely changed my life. Absolutely changed my life because then I was like, oh, wow. Okay, now I have an outlet. Now I have a purpose. Now I have something to give myself to. So I became obsessed with it. And through that, it unlocked all these chapters of life. Now, you say kick my butt. I think this is also important to note. He was very, uh, he would challenge me often. And whether that, you know, all the different methods that a coach can challenge a player, it's not always warm and fuzzy. But where his heart was is that I knew he loved me and he wanted the best for me. So no matter what he said, at the drop of a hat, he was go, go, go run 100 sprints. You got it. Because I know that where he's coming from is in my best interest. And I just can't say that strongly enough. If you're a leader at a company, if you're a leader in a family, a friendship, make sure that the people that you are leading know that you really have their best interest at heart. And here's mm-hmm. the thing. You got to mean it. You can't phone that one in. But if no. you do and they know it, that's... You're off to it,
0: it can't be fake. It's got to be authentic. And... You have one question that changed your life, (laughs) and it's the most important question that can you can ever ask yourself. What's the question you want to tell our listeners they should be asking?
1: Uh, Greg, I love it, man. You're on it. You know it. Uh, You know the book better than I do. uh, (laughs) So the question is, and this question changed my life, and I, I ask it often: is What do you want for your moments on earth? And I don't know if there is a more honest exciting and scary question and fortunate that you can ask yourself
0: that is and again repeat it again
1: what are the what yeah what do you want for your moments
0: on earth moments you know that's a dalai lama question somebody Mm. asked him the guy that was on here last before you podcast 899 kevin cullen um he said he got to meet the Dalai Lama at his um, place of residence in the hills in, in India. And I um, got his friend asked him this question. He said, well, what is the most important thing in your life? What's mm. been the most important thing? And the Dalai Lama didn't have a pat answer, he said. He paused, and the guy in the interview goes, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. I was like, is he going to answer? And he says, I have the answer after about seven seconds. Oh, I love that. And he said, the most important thing that I believe is compassion.
1: Huh.
0: And, you know, Dalai Lama all about compassion and love. And I go back to this and I say, you know, look, if you look at all the people that cross in your life, if you treat them with respect, compassion, love, uh, in turn, you're going to receive that in your life. And so, you know, that whole kind of circle of reciprocity, you know, uh, in in um, The Lion King, the movie mm. The Lion King, right? Um, you know, every chapter this big, this book ends with fail-proof keys. <laughs> uh, if you have to leave our listeners with three most important fail-proof Oof. keys that they can apply... Uh, to have a fail-proof life. That is a bit as a bit of a contradiction because you're not gonna have a fail-proof life. I just want to let all my listeners know it isn't mm-hmm. always gonna be success, but Alex is trying to give you the keys so that it would be more successful and less failures. Um, what would they be? Yeah, hundred
1: percent. And you know, I, I would use the analogy just on the fail proof of bulletproof. Bulletproof doesn't mean that heaven forbid, you're not going to get hit. What it means is that you're going to be fine and keep going. So that is what fail-proof life means to me. If anything, you're going to fail. You're going to fail your face off repeatedly. I do too. Small, big ways, but the key is so that they don't stop you.
0: So what are three proof keys?
1: Yeah. So the first one, and and this goes into the steps too. The first one I'll say is. Because actually, you know what, Alex,
0: I'm sorry. I apologize. We only got, through three of your steps. Yeah, yeah. You have three more. So can you at least list the three before we answer this question?
1: And they go hand in hand. So step four, and this is one of the keys that I was going to say is to handle your emotions. So basically what happens is and first step is we set goals that actually matter. We got to get through that fog and think of okay, this is what I'd like to have happen in my career, my relationships, my life. Step two is make it real. Get it out of idea land and get it into this world. Step three is dive in the deep end. Now that it's in this world, what's the biggest action that you can take to make this really happen and get in the deep end? Uh-huh. Now what's cool is in doing that, you're going to naturally get to step four because you're going to hit tough moments, fails, setbacks, and your emotions are going to rise. Some people are pretty stoic and I'm not. I'm emotional. I come from a dad is very emotional and intense. So if you're anything like me and you get frustrated, you get upset or you get embarrassed or you get quietly disengaged, that is where you really got to be mindful. That's step four and understand that it is a wave. Feel the wave. But before you do anything rash, like quit or lash out at someone or break something or berate yourself, just feel that emotion, handle it and then move forward. Because step five is all right, so you got a setback. You got in an argument, you missed a deal, you missed a turn, whatever it is, because those are all fails. What is one thing that you can learn from that experience? Step five is what I call the golden nugget. So you did this, you went out and you did this. What is one thing that you've learned? Just one. Is it that you need to be better prepared, have more confidence, better communicate, know more about the person you're meeting with? What is it? And then step six is to fully commit again with full effort and belief. And here is what's really exciting is that once we've been, once we're now on a track of our goal, steps four, five, and six, you can hyperdrive. Right. Because all that's gonna happen is you're gonna keep going after, you're gonna hit a setback, okay? Emotions, learn something, keep going after it. And if we, you can rinse and repeat that. And if you do stick to that system, you will get to your goal.
0: I was just going to say, those steps are rinse and repeat. Yes. yeah. And first three steps get you through. The next keeps you focused on where you've got to go. Just rinse That's and it. repeat, right? That's yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, rate, yeah. Alex, the book is Fail Proof. Alex Weber, we've been on Inside Personal Growth talking about how to help you become unstoppable. Um, learn from a gentleman who's had plenty of failures in his life, and looked at those failures in a different way. It's really about your perspective. And I think that once you shift your perspective, um, I I know it's this, you know, in a course called Landmark Forum that used to be called EST, when I took it, it was called EST. And I, I remind people that you're responsible for your own actions. And one of the things that, Uh, Alex said during this interview was taking responsibility. And if there's any one thing that you're going to have to do to become fail-proof and become unstoppable is take responsibility. Don't go blaming people outside. No one one outside of you is responsible for your happiness other than you. Um, And, you know, when you learn that, I mean, when you really learn that, Yeah. Okay. You have no one else to blame. Okay. No one else is to blame for your failure if you went bankrupt. And I know I went bankrupt once, but that's all you have to do is do that once. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that you learn from those failures, as painful as they can be, whether you didn't win the gold or the silver or the bronze or whatever, but you get up again. That's the unstoppable part. And you keep going. Okay. So go get this book. It's going to be on Amazon. Alex, thanks for sharing your stories and being on the podcast with me. An enjoyable time. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll make sure that I get you a link out to Beau Parfette in Boulder so you guys can connect.
1: <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Greg, thank you so much, brother. You're the man. And, and just thank you. This has been a, a really fun time.
0: Uh, it's likewise. And to you, uh, enjoy your holiday season. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.